Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I get to sit down with Chrissy Boy from Madness. Uh, Chris Foreman, um, I should say his full name. And uh, yeah, it was a real pleasure. I got, I got to sit down with Bedders uh, a year or so ago um, and, and, and talk through um, you know, some of the, the stories from Madness uh, with, with, with him and, and the records that were important to him. So it was lovely to, to get to speak to, to Chris, who was somebody kind of post-Madness. Um, I spent a lot of time um, following that the, the band he done with um, Lee Thompson around uh, the, the Nutty Boys, which we um, which we discussed because I had a few questions that I was intrigued to know about um, that that period of his uh, career. And we t- we talk about everything, you know. We finish off um, discussing, you know, what an event Madstock was and, and and how that felt and how that come about and and and, and the subsequent, you know, tours and stuff, bringing it right up to. 2020 and 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 you know and what should have been happening and hopefully what could have been what can be happening in 2021 um it's a lovely chat and uh and chris is a, a, a an absolute diamond you're going to really enjoy this episode um before we get on with that um just a few thank yous um thanks to scroobius pip and everybody at the distraction pieces network um thank you to 76 for producing this and if this is your first time um listening to off the beaten track and uh uh, I'll suggest that once you get to the end of this episode, go and have a, a look in the archives because you can you can access um, about 180 or so um, chats with some some really great people. You know, artists as diverse as oh blimey, where to start? Um, bedders, I guess we can start with bedders. Um, bedders uh, through to the Deftones, through to Mel C, through to Chuck D from Public Enemy, through to Actors such as Maxine Peake, Amanda Abington, through to comedians like James Acaster, um, Mick Talbot from the Style Council, Steve Craddock. Um, there's, there's, go and have a look because um, there's, there's, there's plenty of um, great chats to, uh, to, to, to get, to get cracking with. And, um, and if that's not enough, and uh, and you, you know, you want some more, and you'd like to support the podcast, then I have a Patreon page to accompany it, and. Uh, and each week I put up four unique radio shows on there and some video episodes and, and unique episodes purely for, for Patreons only as well. So there's, yeah, four, five, six, seven bits you get each week over there from as little as a dollar a month. And and this podcast is a, 
an absolute labour of love. So any kind of support I'm from the Patreon is much appreciated. Um, you can find out about all of um, this stuff at www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Right, back to business. Please enjoy Off The Beat and Track Podcast with Chrissy Boy. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Me, stew with him. Listen up. I've only got another new sponsor. Egg fried. It's this super cool clothing label. And if you're into sort of skating and street art and gigging and, and kind of like really cool art and throwing a little bit of Asian culture and, and the designer's kind of weird sense of humour in the mix, then you're pretty much there with the wonderful world that is eggfried.com. Now they do these amazing punchy kind of graphic tees, hoodies and sweatshirts, beautiful art prints. As well as this, they have a denim range, all handmade in-house, all supporting the slow fashion movement. Not only that, they've given you a discount code, 10% off when you head over to eggfried.com. Just use the code EGGSALAD, E-W-G-S-A-L-A-D, save 10%. Go and get lost in the world of egg fried. Also, they've got a new kids range. And it's called Small Fried, and it's super cool, super cute. Um, and again, it's all over there in this wonderful world. Go and get involved at eggfried.com. Okay, we're recording, and sitting opposite me today via the means of Zoom is uh, is Chrissy Boy. Hello. Hi, all right, it's Jamie. How you doing? <laughs> yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Um, Chris, before we get on with the songs, um, we have to have the inevitable chat, which is, um, have you found the last six, seven uh, months? Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, I can't, you know, I've got a nice house, I've got a nice garden. You know, I've been able to go away a few times. Um, but, you know, it does, yeah, it does, you know, get you down. You know, we were supposed to do a show in March, in Dubai, and I was thinking, oh, yeah, you know, a bit of sunshine. <laughs> and the day we were supposed to go, the tour manager went, we're not going. So, yeah, I mean, we, the band, we haven't done anything since January together. Yeah. Seeing, you know, of some of them I hardly speak to, um, Lee came to see me, sax player, and we had a meeting at our accountants, of course. And, uh, yeah, um, so we've kind of been in touch, but you know. So it's, it's you know I've got two kids. You know, one's eighteen, one's fourteen. So yeah, they went a bit up the wall. Yeah. But you know, it's been yeah difficult. Okay. Well, should we talk about something uh, that's a little bit more positive? Should we? Uh, should we talk records? Yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> um, all right, Chris, for track one, I'm going to ask you the song that you think's got the greatest ever intro. Well, you know, I just kind of, I only sort of thought about this 20 minutes ago, you know, I think, well, and I think, you know, the Supremes, Love Child. Oh, what? It's got that really, you know, I mean, there, you know, there's so many songs, and um, that is an incredible song. You know, it came out, I was doing all research, 1968, so I was 12, and... It's a story, isn't it? It's like what they call a vignette. You know, it's a story about somebody who was, you know, what I don't think an illegitimate child. And um, it's incredible, really. Uh, How have you um, found, um, like, uh, 
I always like to ask sort of musicians this question in regards to sort of intros and and yeah. and, and, and with the greatest respect, you've been you know make, making music for you know a few decades now. Yeah, and uh, and I just want to know because obviously when when Madness first kind of you know started releasing records and stuff, the way that people listened to music was very very different to how people oh, yeah. listen yeah. to music now. And I just wondered, you know, over the years and and you know how it's evolved and 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 more recently, I guess, with some of the more sort of recent Madness stuff and that, like, how have you kind of um, have have you has it affected the way that that you know you put your songs together the the fact yeah. that now things are far more sort of disposable and there's so many distractions in, in, <laughs> you know with spotify saying no you might like this you know and and yeah. and, and yeah. for me madness always struck me as a, a, a band that released an album as an album as a piece of work you know yeah um yeah and yeah i just wondered how you know how, how the changes in, in in the industry have had any sort of effect on how you approach writing and stuff well yeah, when we started, it was like, you know, I might be at home on a guitar and I think of a few chords and I think, oh, they sound good, and I write them down. I go to the rehearsal with them on a bit of paper, you know, and then we'd all start getting a bit of a song together, you know, and then usually um, Suggs or Lee uh, wrote a lot of the lyrics. So they would come and they'd literally go in with a cassette and then they'd come back, you know. And now, you know, all these years later... Got everyone's got a computer, you know, <laughs> and I can do songs on that are extremely, you know, got guitar, got everything on that you want. So you have a more finished idea, yeah. you know. And sometimes we've even used that the whole thing. Um, but you know, I think we just we've never tried to think, oh, we'll do a hip hop song, <laughs> you know. Well, we have, but but you know. You, they just kind of come out the way they come out, yeah. you know. Um, you know, management have sometimes tried to get us to be a bit more contemporary or to do stuff with other people, but it never really, you know, gels. If it ain't broke, it don't need fixing, though, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and we like doing new stuff. Yeah. Um, obviously, this year we haven't really been able to do a lot. Okay. For track two. Uh, Chris, I'm going to ask you the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. Again, you know, this is like, so I just sort of thought, you know, I was like a kid. This came out in 1969. So I was uh, 1966. I was 13, or something. And it's Elvis Presley in the ghetto. And again, it's like another great song that's, you know, a story from beginning to end of somebody's life. And um, I remember I lived in this street and uh, we were connected to a railway line, you know, at the end of the street. <laughs> the houses used to shake. Yeah, and I was, you know, not getting the old violin out. We were quite poor. And I thought, oh, you know, I live in a ghetto. I mean, I don't know how I knew what a ghetto was, age 13. I probably asked my dad. But, you know... I remember kind of hit, you know, there's like that sort of song that, as well, I think, you know, I was playing in the street and somebody's playing it on the radio, you know, and it's an incredible, uh, incredible song. It's got uh, a really, really unique sort of sound to it. It's, it's a dark sounding record, isn't it, in the go? It yeah. doesn't, it doesn't yeah. really sound like anything else Elvis done. 
I, no. I, I think he's quite sort of out there for a, a, an Elvis yeah. record. It's got a kind of strange yeah. sort of weight to it. It feels like quite a, yeah. a, a heavy sounding record. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, are you going to be playing these records? I'm going to do, I'll do a Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast yeah, yeah. so people can go and listen oh, I understand. to yeah, yeah, yeah. To, uh, to to all the yeah. records that accompany it. Yeah. Um, and, and and so where where was this? Where was home growing up? I lived in this street called Mortimer Terrace. Right, it sounds very posh, doesn't it? And there's a in Kentish Town. There's a place called Highgate Road, and there's a railway bridge. And there's a chip shop on the corner where it was, you know, and you go down this little road, which was called uh, Wesleyan Place. You turn left and, and there we were in this house, which was terraced houses. And we had the, the basement was all just scary. It was all damp and there was old bikes. Do you know what I mean? There was a coal, coal hole. And then we had this ground floor and a garden and his toilet, which everyone shared. And then we had the next floor was me and my brother had a bedroom, my parents' bedroom. And then above us was two more floors, you know, with these old women that kind of lived on their own. So, yeah, it was, you know, pretty, didn't have central heating, didn't have a, a bath, you know. <laughs> I had a tin bath. Um, yeah. How was it growing so, up around Kentish Town, though? Oh, you know, I don't it's a long time ago. You know, it was a world away from what it is now. You know, I'm going to still, every now and then I go back. I've been living in Brighton for 14 years. Uh, I go back to the old area, you know, and it's a bit sad. Uh, you know, I go, my brother still lives in that same house. Oh, really? Well, he, well, what it was, we lived in, we lived in one house and the, the council eventually, you know, did him up and like put him. I remember my dad said, you know, I'm not going to move until I get the one on the corner. <laughs> and it's like an eating comedy because. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You know, they had all scaffolding on. So we were the only people living there. And in fact, I was 20 and I got married. 
And I, you know, they were kind of, I was living on the top floor. I was like squatting really, you know, me and my wife, you know, and we had a baby. So yeah, it's quite, quite a time. <laughs> I got a council flat, you know, in that year, 1976. Oh. And in, in, and kind of just going back to, to, to the house when you was at home uh, with your yeah. parents, was like, was there like records and stuff on, you know, was there music on at home? Yeah, yeah, I mean, we, I think I'll turn my sound off, oh, I have. Um, yeah, yeah, my, but we had this sort of radio, yeah, we had this little record player. You know, when I got a bit older, yeah, my dad got me a little record player, you know. So, yeah, there was, you know, but, I mean, it's crikey, like, yeah, when I was really little, we used to listen to Jimmy Clitheroe. I don't know if anyone's heard of Jimmy Clitheroe. The Clitheroe kid, you know, flipping hilarious actually yeah so we used to do a lot of that yeah but you know I didn't really my dad got me a Beatles album which was a compilation album that and the Rolling Stones yeah you know and my first you know stuff that I used to play did that resonate what they were doing like them, them bands yeah I mean the Beatles were just incredible you know I mean I was very young but I used to think, how do they do it? How do they, you know, just keep coming up with these songs? I don't know when, um, I was just looking up when Sergeant Peppers came out. Do you know when that came out? Six, was, six, was it 66? Uh, yeah, you know, and the BBC played it. They, they, they said, we're going to play it. You know, and this is before 67. 67. I remember, you know, the BBC said, we're going to play the whole album. Because in those days, nobody could record it off the... You know what I mean? Like, these yeah. days, you would never do that. And I thought, this is... Christ, this is incredible. So I was 11. <laughs> but, you know, already, you know, just I just thought, this is... Again, you know, how did they do that? Yeah. And they kept doing it as well, didn't they? They kept doing it, yeah. You know, um, there's sort of been stuff lately about John Lennon, you know, dying, and it is really sad. And you just think if he hadn't died and George hadn't died, they maybe, you know, would have done some other stuff, you know. It's just crazy. I think when you look at the sort of the the, the time bracket in which the Beatles existed yeah, and how prolific they were within that period of time and how mm. each record was such a radical progression yeah, like from the yeah. one previous, just, just, yeah, in, in, incredible. And I think, I don't know. Sometimes I, I just kind of, sort of, almost sounds bad. Like forget about the Beatles, and like, and then yeah. every now and again, yeah. like you say, yeah. all that stuff last yeah. week about Lennon. Yeah, like, I just then went back and was watching a few things, and I was like, oh, God, yeah, I forgot about Mind Games. How good's Mind Games? And it yeah. was like, yeah. and then it was like, I'll stick some Beatles on, and it's just like, oh, it's just ridiculous the amount of incredible yeah. music that they just churned yeah. out. Because, right. you know, like Paul McCartney, as you know, he's solo, those early, you know, and the wing stuff. You know, George Harrison as well, um, even Ringo. But, you know, it's a sort of shame they split up, you know, really. But, you know, that's what happened. Let it be, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, I'm going to um, keep you around the uh, the formative years for track three, Um Chris, I'm going to ask you the song that reminds you of your time at school. 
they're very difficult, you know. I should say at this point that um, I would say that 70% of guests that have been on this podcast have said baggy trousers. Oh, right. Well, there must be a certain age. Yeah, because it is like, isn't it? I mean, I kind of thought, and, yeah, there's loads that, you know, stuff that's like Roxy Music. I mean, I like sort of Deep Purple. Uh, you know, I've always had very wide tastes, but I put Gene Genie, David Bowie, oh. 1972. Um, you know, he was just another, you know, genius that, you know, kept... Yeah, I just say an old thing there, so he reinvented himself. But you know, he just kept going. You know, um, incredible career. What, yeah. what was that like for a young lad to sort of to see David Bowie on top of the pops or or, or something like that? Well, it wasn't like oh my god, you know, because um, again, you know, I was quite broad-minded because he um, he did um, the man who sold the world. And on the cover, he had long hair and he's wearing a dress. You know, and I mean, you imagine when you're a kid. Like, remember someone came to school with it, and I'm like, oh, gee, what is that? You know, is that a man? You know, and but you know, I never, you know, in those days, you just didn't think anything nasty. You know, like these days, you know, trans people or whatever. You know, they, they, you know, it causes a lot of people. You know, can't stand it. But you know, it just then. I mean, even when I was at school. You know, we had kids in my class that were obviously gay. And it was just like, so what? They were our gays. They were our, you know, two gay kids. And it's like, you know, they wouldn't, they weren't bullied or or anything like that, you know. You know, um, but, you know, I don't know, I've sort of gone off on a tangent there, haven't I? Well, I'll, but, I'll, I'll... Sorry for the interruption. It's just a super quick advert. The Signal is a platform for podcasters to launch a fully featured app onto the App Store and Google Play in just a matter of days. It allows you to monetize your podcast with in-app subscriptions and offer in exchange a whole world of features for your listeners, like exclusive episodes, ad-free versions of episodes, YouTube live streams, downloads, and much, much more. The Signal allows you to pull all your best content into one place that you control. No more trying to play the algorithm. Just connect directly with your audience and give them more of what they love. For just a small monthly cost and no contracts, you get your app into stores in days, not months. No big upfront development costs, no waiting months for beta versions, just all your content under your control. And even better, if you tell them Stu sent you, they will waive the £100 setup fee. So go to thesignal.app and take your podcast to the next level. Back to my podcast. So how did you find school? Uh, just down the road. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, um, no, actually, yeah, my first school, I could walk there. I went to this really nice school called Gospel Oak. And, um, you know, I did quite well. You know, this exam called 11 plus. So they said, oh, yeah, you can go to grammar school. Now, there was a grammar school near me called William Ellis that I could walk to. And my parents put me in one called Owens, which is in Islington, which was like, you know, I had to get on, I had to go miles. And, you know, I, because uh, there was a local comprehensive called Ackland Burley that a lot of my friends went to. And, and I remember, you know, I, we went round and looked at all these schools, you know. And Ackland Burley, they were doing tie dye t shirt. I, you know, I should have gone there because loads of my mates went there. 
But I went to this Owen school, which, you know, the, the some of the teachers had mortar boards and all this game, you know, and, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, I think it wasn't that good a school. I'll tell you who went there, Spandau Valley. Right. Their manager was in my class. They were sort of a bit younger than me, you know, Gary and Martin. But um, it wasn't, you know, it was fantastic. You know, we had, I mean, such a laugh. You know, the stuff, the things we used to get up to, you know, it was all these scams and I won't go into them more. I mean, there was one thing where we we got out of this window and there was this back of these houses, you know, and there's all these Coca-Cola bottles and someone went, oh, well, that's FNO's house. Now, I was a bit naive because the school had different houses called Hermitage House, you know, like groups. And I thought, oh, you know, it must be some upper school thing. But what they meant was there was a shop called Fred and Olives that was in this upper street, you know, high street. And it was there, it was the back of their shop. So in those days, which is something they should do now, you could get a deposit on a bottle. When you bought a bottle of Coke, there was like a one penny deposit or something like that, you know. So we got these bottles, went round to the shop and got the money back. Do you know what I mean? And we kept doing this for quite a while. I mean, they might have, they might, they must have realised. And um, um, yeah, we got caught. You know that somebody had them in a locker, hundreds of empty coke bottles. But anyway, that was the sort of thing we used to get up to. And then when I was like um, sixteen, uh, which was uh, I during the summer holidays. You know, the summer holidays always seem to be gone forever. And myself and Lee, as tax player, we were in Hampstead and we saw a shop window and it said gardeners wanted. I don't know why. We thought, oh, well, let's go and get a job as gardeners. So, we got, so I had this job as a gardener working for this firm in Finchley, which was a bit of a way. So the school sort of sent a letter, more or less said, don't come back. And that was it. I was 16 and I had a job. Um it's funny, like, you know, obviously now, years later, the school say, oh, would you, you know, because I'm a famous ex <laughs> would you care to come back and talk about your time? And I went, you yeah, know, you expelled me. You know, you know. <laughs> uh, but, no, I, had, I did go to a thing that, that um, I went to a thing they did at the Royal Albert Hall. It was really good. It was because the school was 300 years old or something like that. But when, you know, it was in Islington and... It moved to Potter's Bar after I left. And it's quite sad because I used to go back and look at the old building. And um, I had this band in the 90s with Lee called the Nutty Boys or Crunch. I, I, saw, we, I saw Nutty Boys yeah. about 20 yeah. times, mate. Yeah. <laughs> we used to play at this place called the Powerhouse in Islington. Did you ever go there? I saw you there loads of times, yeah. mate. Because my, my old school was near there. So, you know, I used to kind of go back and... And one day, the guy who played piano in the Nutty Boys, Louis, he's really funny. I said, come on, Louis, we're going to have a pint and we're going to see my old school. And it had gone. It was flattened. And that place was, you know, 300 years old. Well, 250 years. Well, yeah, it was old. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, you know, it was sort of good times, yeah, obviously. So did you have any idea what you wanted to be when you was at school? No, not, a, you know, not a clue. Was you playing guitar? No. You know, I went to see a careers officer. Yeah, and he said I should be a journalist. That's what they said. You know, like this thing now, retrain. Yeah. I'd be a journalist. 
So there you have it. But no, I didn't have any musical aspirations, really. You know. I just want to move forward, like, and and a, a little bit before um, we come back again to uh, for, for, for track four. And it's just, you know, um, you know, the the madness story is probably, you know, he's, he's very well documented. I'm sure you've, yeah. you've told that story a, a million and one times. Um, yeah. But I'm just interested in 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 that kind of period. Um, when you was doing the Nutty Boys, like how, you know, how oh. was that? And and and, and what... oh, when I when when Madness, yeah, because Madness split up, and um, Sags didn't really, you know, really, you know, in retrospect, I should have really tried to. Yeah, we did that thing, the Madness, didn't we? That's right, you know, which wasn't. It was some songs that we'd been doing as Madness, and it, and it was like. Some good stuff on it. Our pronunciations are wonderful records. Yeah, yeah, that was really good, yeah. But um, that's right, we've done that. And then we were starting to do some more stuff and it's just like, you know, well, that's separate ways, you know. So I said, Lee, you know, should we do some songs? So me and Lee did these demos. Yeah, we went and we paid to get them, you know, because Madness had a studio. We went and did these songs, and we went around a load of record companies, you know, and there was one guy, yeah, he really liked us, and we just thought, oh, you know, we'll go on holiday and we'll get a deal, you know. And, and Lee used to go, you know, on Teletext, <laughs> you know, on your telly, and he's always looking up holidays. He found his holiday in Lanzarote, I remember. And we went there, and we came back, but, I mean, nothing was really happening, you know. And then a guy that Lee knew, by then there was these kind of, like, third generation of ska bands and there was a friend of Lee's called Sean Flaudu who I still talk to quite a lot and he had a band called The Loafers and he went oh if you go I know this record label and you know they'll give you some money to do an album so we wrote that you know crunch album and recorded it in the old madness and we did it like really quick we used I think one of the demos always the innocent we used that but we changed the drums so, you know, we put the album out and then, you know, we thought, oh, and it kind of did all right. And then we thought, well, maybe we'll start a band. You know, so, you know, we got, a, I remember thinking, right, I want to be like the small faces and we'll all be really short. You know, and, I, and we kind of started to, so the sax player was quite tall. Sexy Steve was a so, tall man. Yeah, you know, I don't know what happened to him. But, um, yeah, so it was, and I remember like, um, like Louis, the piano player, you know, he's a real character. Because what it was, yeah, I knew a guy called Seamus. And Seamus had played with the Madness a bit. You know, he played organ. Oh, yeah, and he played with Madness. After Mike left, we had two keyboard players, which was him and a guy called Terry Disley. And Terry Disley went to school with me. It's quite funny. And Terry did piano. Seamus did organ. So when I started this band, you know, like sometime... A long time after that, I still used to talk to Seamus, and I went, Seamus, I'm starting a band, Joe. You know, do you want to kind of join? So he joined, and then he knew Louis. Do you know what I mean? He's all like, and then someone at record company knew Tad. You know, I think the bass player, and Tad knew Spider, the drummer, and Lee knew, you know, we knew Sexy Steve, we'd known since we were kids. So, yeah, that's how that happened. 
how did that you know how, how was them them you know the 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 years of doing that like from obviously playing yeah. you know huge yeah. gigs with madness to kind of you know going back on the kind of you know the the, the breaking circuit again did it feel nice sort of getting back in a van and and, and you know and and having so, a crack at it again oh yeah i mean i think you know some of the times we had doing that with the best times you know there was just such a laugh and i was like you know, I was kind of on, like, income support. And I had my son living with me, you know, who was, I don't know how old he was then. You know, he was living with me. So, you know, I was kind of just about surviving. And, um, you know, I had this little big overdraft. Now, but, yeah, you know, it's living by the skin of your teeth. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we had some adventures and, you know, it was often chaos. You know, things would go wrong. Um, but, you know, it was it was very enjoyable time you know okay i'm gonna just um gonna go back a little bit now and and just ask you what the first record you remember buying was i had to really think about this you know because i thought it was the beatles she's a woman and, you know i do remember that but you know i sort of looked it up and i was about eight <laughs> sort of like, uh, and, you know where is it she's a woman the beatles she's a Oh, Sorry, the Beatles, a song by the Beatles. Oh, oh God, it's all gone. Guitar chords. Um, I remember having that. Yeah. Having that single. And let's see, uh, 1964. So uh, I was eight. <laughs> I was eight, you know, and <clears throat> I know we had that single. And the other... I don't know which one was the A side. The song called "I Feel Fine," mm. and that had a good beginning. The guitar sort of going. Nyaw. But anyway, I put the first one that I bought was it nineteen and it's called "The Vampire" by the Upsetters, and um, it's instrumental. And I just yeah, I used to go to this club. I sort of think you know because I was a skinny, then I had long hair, you know. I remember going to this club and hearing it, and you could go to like there's a little record shop in Kentish Town, and you could just get anything, you know. And and there's an organ solo, and even then, there's one bit where he does a out of tune note, and you can <laughs> tell. But it's that, yeah, it's the, it says the upsetters, and then the other side is called Check Him Out by the Bleachers. It's like Lee Perry, it's yeah, the Lee Perry kind of thing, you know, yeah. I mean, over the years, um, like how important, you know, of record shops been to you? I have to say, you know, to my shame, you know, they were. But, you know, now you just go on flipping Amazon, didn't you? And, like, I, you know, I've really, um, I think lately, thought, right, you know, if there's something I want to get, there's an HMV in, and there's independent record shops in Brighton. Go there and get it, and they'll do. You know, rather than that, you know, Amazon. Oh yeah, look, it'd be here tomorrow, and it only costs. You know, you've got to support these people, really. Absolutely, there's some yeah. great record shops in Brighton, aren't there? Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, let's move forward a little bit for uh, for track five, and uh, the song that soundtrack your years clubbing. <laughs> I mean, again, there's so many. You can but have yeah, some honourable mentions, mate. Hey, honourable mentions. Yeah, you can throw oh, some you know, in uh, there. I like Run DMC, flipping, you know, King of Rock. You know, we all like Run DMC. Um, 
in fact, the cover of their album, you know, that's a, a crunch album. You know, there's me and Lee. Yeah. And he, you know, I copied that from Run DMC. He's one of the, I think, the King of Rock album. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's got, it's got him on the cover like that. But there's that. But I mean, I um, uh, Run DMC. Yeah, they were. It's like we used to go to clubs in America, you know. Or, or anywhere, and they'd always, you know, you go in a club, the band, and they'd put on a Magnus record. We go, no, no. I remember you've got King of Rock put on once, and we were all going nuts. This club had a kind of, um, yeah, it's King of Rock, Run DMC, that's the one. <coughs> this club had a sort of ball pit in or something. A ball pit? And we, I remember we were jumping in this thing like a sort of trampoline to King of Rock. But, I mean, what I put was last night a DJ saved my life. Oh, what a great record. That's 1982, because that's one song, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't like dance, but I do always get, you know, on the old, you know, floor, actually. But there's so many, you know. So, uh, you know, I songs. guess 82 was like the kind of, you know, a very much, I would imagine, a very exciting time for Madness. So where where was where was clubbing then? Where was you going? Um, Again, I might have to look this up. I mean, I used to go to Dingwalls, mm-hmm. uh, to the Camden Palace, because I sort of befriended Steve Strange, you know, and he was the right character. Um, I mean, I don't know when that was, though, the Camden, because it's now called Coco. Mm. It was known as the Camden Palace from 82. That's a, there, and um, the Wag Club, which right. was in, you know... Wardour Street. yeah. I, you know, I spent a lot of time there. Again, I don't know. So, what was going on? Like, what was Steve Strange doing in '82 at, at the at Palais? Was it was New Romantic still going on then? Was that? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's like I was, I was going out with Jenny from the Bell Stars, and she knew him. She knew all these sort of people, you know, and. You know, I was like, oh, she's Ponzi. <laughs> um, we went to the, you know, because we lived near the Camden Palace. We went there, you know, and then I met him. And then me and I started talking, and started talking about shoplifting. And I thought, oh, he's a kid. Yeah, because he was, I mean, he was a character, Steve, you know. He was a real character, you know, and I liked him a lot. And um, so, you know, you'd go there and you'd meet all sorts of people because they had this sort of bar at the top. You know, it was a bit, um, a bit elitist, I suppose. <laughs> but you know, and they say he used to. I think, yeah, he. I might be wrong. I think he got Run DMC on at the Camden Palace, and I think it was like one of the first things they did. You know, um, yeah. Was you there for that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I might be wrong if it was the. Run DC, Camden Palace. Uh, you know, I mean, it's so hard to find a building from London, public enemy. That was Hammersmith, the, the Run DMC public enemy, and. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was just reading, I was yeah. just, you know, I took, I took Lee, because Lee, he said, <laughs> we all say it to him, oh, rap, it's a fad. <laughs> and I went with him. <laughs> I said, Lee, you know, Two Tone was a fad. You know, and rap, well, rap's not 
sort of changed a lot, hasn't it? But I took him, yeah, to Run DMC, Beastie Boys, Public Enemy, LL Cool J. Yeah. They were all on the Hammersmith Odeon. And the guy that promoted it, he used to promote Madness. Uh, he's a great guy, John Curd. He really helped us when we started. But it's like, he went to me and Leo, it's a bit leery in there, you know, he just chucked us. <laughs> and uh, in the middle of it all, yeah, we weren't kind of, you know, in the VIP bar or backstage. And, you know, Lee was like, oh, my God. But it was really great show, you know, great show. And Leo Cool J came down on a giant ghetto blaster. I mean, it was massive. Came down, and, you know, and it opened. And he, you never forget, there's no bloody mobile phone. You just remember these things. Yeah. You know? And, um, yeah, and he had two scratches. It was just like, yeah, incredible. Yeah. Great days. Sorry, yeah. Mm. For track six, I'm going to ask you a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. Yeah, because you said home county. And I thought, oh, I live in Brighton. But, so, but um, I've got the kinks. Nice. Lola, you know, you know, because they, they probably, they're from Muswell Hill, which wasn't, you know, far from where I lived. Um, we used to hang around there a bit because Mike Barson ended up living near Muswell Hill. And um, again, you know, actually, it's another song that's a story, isn't it? And um, a very interesting story too. Yeah, completely. Uh, you know, it's, you know, it's Ray Davis. He's another genius. You know, absolute genius. You know, but I think you know, I've I've said it on this podcast countless times to to people when they've referenced madness, and I'm not just saying this because you're sitting opposite me, but. You know, I, I think that, you know, the, the, the stuff that, and the subject matters and, and the kind of social commentary that, that the kinks were, were, were singing about then, I think that, 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 that Madness done that and done that fantastically. Yeah, you know. it's funny, you know, I mean, we never, we never thought, oh, we'd do a kink song. But I remember I wrote a song with Suggs called Ernie. And, it, you know... It, so it's, quite, it's about a premium bond machine, you know, or your know, premium bonds. I remember, you know, Clive, our producer, he went, this is really like the kinks. And I thought, yeah. Because at the time, at that time, you know, I was obviously remembered the kinks. But it's only, you know, in more recent times. I'm so, I'm just always buying kinks albums. You're always finding these albums, all these, you know, old ones. You know, old, all these songs you've never heard. You know, um, I mean, if anyone's got the time, <laughs> that Waterloo Sunset, there's, you know, on YouTube or somewhere, there's a kind of backing track of them doing it. Do you know what I mean? I think it hasn't got the vocal, and it's incredible, you know. They, they were so good, you know. The Kinks, yeah. Well, for the last song, uh, Chris, I'm going to ask you uh, to for a song that many may not know. <laughs> that you would like them to hear? This is when you get to turn them on to something new. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, yeah, I didn't, you know, there was loads could have thought of. I just thought something I've been listening to recently that, that um, I kind of, I think it was on a TV show, you know, and you get the old Shazam out on your phone, you know, and it's Leslie Gore, and there's this song called, you know, You Don't Own Me, which came out nice. I don't remember it from when I'm a kid, you know, but um, yeah, you don't know me. It's just <laughs> I don't know. 
What is it? Just What's ha- it like? So I've not heard that. Um, you, you'd have to look it up, wouldn't you? It's um, it, It's kind of like, it's like a Leslie Goss song, you know, it's almost like a doo-wop, but when I looked, it was produced by Quincy Jones, and he's been, you know, more than a legend, isn't he? Quincy Jones. Um, yeah, it's, you know, you don't own me. <laughs> it's just hilarious. It's it, it makes me laugh at the moment. Cheers me up. You know, put it on. And... Well, I guess if we're going to be, you know, let's stay positive here and, and, and hope that, yeah. you know, as we get to the end of the year, we, we find ourselves, you know, coming out of it in a in a better way than, you know, it's been yeah. the, 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 the most of it. Um, what are you looking forward to most, Chris, about, you know, a kind of uh, a return to, to reality? And what, yeah, what are you looking forward to personally and, and what are you looking forward to and what have you got coming up professionally? Um, professionally? Well, I mean, I look forward... I would say going down the pub, but I don't really go to the pub much. But, you, you know, would be not... You know, because the pub that I go to in Brighton, the fantastic Dorset bar, if anyone's ever down here, it's great. You know, and it's, it's terrible, you know, because Mark, you know, he's had to put these screens and you have to walk in this way. You know what I mean? You can't even go to the bar and order a drink. And... Um, so, yeah, it would be nice to, you know, to go in there under normal circumstances. It's, um, obviously, the band is peculiar because I go through these phases. You know, we are incredibly lucky that people still like us, you know, and we, live, we're probably bigger than we were in the 80s, you know, we do arenas. But, you know, last year I was thinking, oh, enough, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've had enough of this. And, um, and then the tour manager, the manager was going, do you want to do a tour this year? Oh, yeah, all right. You know, and it's kind of like... But are you, are you all like that, though, Chris? I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, it, it's hard to explain. You know, because I think, oh, I won't miss it. And in some ways I haven't missed it. And then, then you sort of do miss it, you know. And we are actually... Um, going to start rehearsing next week and we're going to do one of those streaming things, you know, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> There's been a few hiccups with that. But, yeah, um, so I think, you know, it would be good for us all to get in a room because that's it with us. You know, once we do that and it's just us, um, you kind of realise that you, you missed everyone, you know. Because yeah. some of the bands, like... Um, Suggs, I've hardly spoken to him. I'll tell you something funny. I sent him a song. And it was a sort of not a finished song. And he's he's very matey with Paul Weller. So he goes to me, oh, you know, I sent Paul Weller a load of songs. I don't know why. I think they send each other songs. And he says, well, I really like your one. And I went, no, it was for us, you know. He says, don't get angry. I was like, no, no, no. So then the next thing, you know, he goes, oh, Weller's like... <laughs> done some lyrics and I was like right you know so he sent it to me and it's really good and uh, so I, I said you better give me his number you know so I said alright Paul you know you should uh, 50-15 he said yeah so I've written a song with Paul Weller um, without really, realising you was writing a song yeah, with Paul Weller <laughs> and, and like I say you know it was like a, like I was saying earlier it was like something I did on the old computer but you know when it's like redone it and he's put you know he's you know he's he he's like he's a genius, really, yeah. Paul Weller. You know, really he he's he's sort of one person that he puts 
you put an album out and I hear a single, I just go and get the album. Yeah. You know, um, he's very, you know, and he's like, I've known him a long time, but I don't really talk to him much. And he's very like, oh, yeah, what, mate? you know, but actually he's a very intelligent guy. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, his lyrics are good. Um, yeah, his last album, Lee played sax on it. Oh, did he? No, yeah, there's a track called I'm Walking, and Lee went and played some sax on it. But, yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I, like, I like him. He's, he's a good, you know. Have you seen um, I've got an episode of this coming out tomorrow with Mick Talbot. And, oh, yeah, um, he's funny, isn't he, Mick? Oh, he was great. Yeah, yeah. He's, a really, he's a funny guy, yeah. And uh, have you seen the, the, the documentary comes out on the No, 30th? no, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it looks really good. Like, yeah. um, saw the trailer for it last week and, uh, yeah. yeah, looking forward to uh, that. I like the style cancel. That was a great, you know, a great, a great songs. You know, and I always thought, you know, because, you know, I sort of like, I think Paul Weller, he did this kind of house album. Yeah. And... I think Polydor went, no, uh, you know, and I think they dropped him. And I thought, how can you, uh, you know, what, you know, just because of one, you know, and then he, he sort of, you know, slowly came back. And, you know, he's now in his, I think, funny enough, he's back on Polydor. But, you know, I mean, record companies is another thing. It's like record shops. There used to be all these companies and then like, <laughs> get swall- swallowed up by the sort of, you know, you know, there's only about two, you know, which is all right. They, some of them, they let them stay the same. Yeah. It's like, you know, when I think it was Pizza Express, might not have been, they got bought out and then I think the guy tried to, you know, because they just, I don't know, we won't have real flowers, we'll have plastic flowers. They get the bean counters in to try and maximise profit and, and you take away the things you take the soul out of it. Yeah, you know. Well, before we finish, I just want to ask you this because um, I, I I interviewed um, Bedders uh, uh, about a year ago on this podcast, and yeah. and and I'm, I was just fascinated because I was I was you know lucky enough to be uh, in the crowd for it. Um, yeah. How did it feel the moment before you walked out on stage for Madstock? And, <laughs> and how did it feel when you walked off? It was funny because I'm like very contrary, you know. And you know, when that I thought we're never gonna, you know, we're never that'll never happen. And you know, I was doing the thing with Lee, and I was quite happy. And I was like, Lee, you know, we shouldn't do it. Didn't want to do it. Then I wanted us to be on the what, bill. Why didn't you want to? Do I it? didn't want to do it because I just thought, I don't know. I thought oh, it's a bit of a sellout, you know. It's kind of like. But you wanted the Nutty Boys to play on the bill, though. Yeah, then uh, they wouldn't have that, of course. <laughs> yeah. It sucks. It all, everyone will get confused. I thought, I don't think so. But it, it's sort of like, I thought um, it would have been nicer if we'd have all just said, hey, let's get the band, you know, rather than for money. And I could see it coming because I was still quite involved in the band's activities and um, there's a record, co- no, record company called Pickwick you know remember Pickwick and Pickwick wanted to do a compilation album called It's Madness 
And like, no one was interested. And I went to meet Pickwick and I helped them compile it. And, yeah, I mean, the artwork was terrible. I did the best I could. And they put this album out. And the album was only sold in garages, things like that. But it sold like, you know, for, it sold a lot. So then they did another one. And then Virgin said, we want to do Divine Madness, right? And, yeah, we did a TV advert, like Carl had ideas for the TV advert. And um, suddenly, you know, that it must be love got back in, you know, it went mental. And Vince Power knew Carl and Suggs, and he said, look, I'll do this thing, you know. So that's how we came to do it. Anyway, so I was all like, oh, I don't want to, and um, we, of course, did it. And uh, it was, you know, incredible. It was incredible. You know, we'd never played on our own. It was something like 32,000 people a night. And, um, you know, um, yeah, it it was quite, you know. And I said, um, that's right. I said, what we need, you know, we rehearsed and rehearsed. I said, what we needed to so we go to Holland because Mike was living in Holland. And I said, we'll rehearse there. And we found this little venue in Holland and we rehearsed in Holland. And I remember him going, well, it's not very near where I live. I thought, oh, Jesus, Mike. <laughs> we, and we did it. We, we played we play in this because I said, we need to play it at least once before we do Trinity Park. And we played in this venue. And a mate of mine bought a video and he videoed it, but the sound was terrible. And, I, and He's lost the video. <laughs> so there you go. But, yeah, I, yeah, so, yeah, you know, and I thought it was great. And then, like, um, we sort of, we had a guy looking after us, you know, manager, Steve Finan, a very smart guy, very young. And next thing was, oh, do you want to do a Christmas tour? And I said, right. I'm not, you know, because I thought, I don't want to be stuck on this, you know, greatest hits merry-go-round for the rest of my life. I said, you know, I don't want to do it. And they just went, all right, well, we'll say that you, you've hurt your arm. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I'll do it, you know. And then I did it, and then the rest is history. You know, we, you know, changed our... I mean, we... What we did, we used to do them every other year. We did that for quite a long time. And then we got a new management team who were much more proactive in getting us doing more stuff. So now, yeah, you know, well, this year we would have had a very busy year. A very busy year. You know, we go around Europe um, doing festivals, yeah. It's just, you know, on my phone, I get this thing on my, they're all on my calendar, the shows, you know, and it's all Paris, Belgium. You know, uh, let's see if there's anything on there. Uh, podcast today, huh, with you. Well, we would have been doing Butlins next month. You know, which is always a laugh. Um, yeah, so where was I? Yeah. So you, you miss him playing? Yeah. Um, well, like I say, you know, I'm so contrary. I sometimes think, oh, well, I don't. I don't miss it. You know, and I, and I always think, I don't, and then I do it. And then I think, oh, yeah, you know. Because every show, there's something. There's something, you know, because obviously if you do it again and again and again and playing baggy trousers and you're like 60, you know, but you see, we do see, you know, a lot of young people. We see, you know, it's people's children, and they even, I think, dare I say, grandchildren are coming to see us. Or, you know, I get, I do a thing on the website, and people send me, you know, questions. 
And you get a lot of people that really go, I went in the loft and I found my dad's CDs, you know, and they discover us. Because yeah. you think kids today, seriously, what have they got? You know, and like we're quite fun, you know, and the videos are quite funny. Um, so, yeah, it's quite, quite funny, quite strange. Chris, it's been a real pleasure. Yeah, it's been nice to you. Yeah. Chatting records with you, mate. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I wish you all the best with uh, whatever um, comes from 2021. And, uh, and you, and you, mate. And, yeah. uh, and I look forward to uh, seeing Madness again soon. Take Get in touch. Mate. I'll be on the guest list. I will. <laughs> Where do you live? There you go. Chris Foreman. Amazing. It's uh, it's always a weird one, you know. You always have to kind of rein it in when it's somebody who has uh, whose music has been so important in uh, in your life. You try not to to fan out so much and uh, and 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 yeah, kind of. But I also have so many questions that I want to ask, and uh, and so it was really nice to to be able to kind of talk about you know the Nay Boys and and not so much madness, you know, it's just to kind of find out you know what happened post and. And you know, in that kind of hiatus, so it was it was lovely to kind of get to chat about that, and uh, and I hope you got as much enjoyment listening as uh, as I did chatting to Chris. Um, like I said at the beginning, uh, if you enjoyed that, go and have a, a rummage in the archives and listen to some episodes. You know, there, there's 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 stacks. I'm not going to start rattling them off, but all your favourite musicians, producers, DJs, actors, comedians. I've, I've chatted to a fair old bundle of them now, so um, so go and have a Go and have a rummage in the archives and see what you can find. There'll be something there to tickle your fancy. Right, okay, um, I'm out of here. Thanks once again to Chris. Uh, thanks to you lovely people for listening. And uh, and I'm back next time. Take care. Bye-bye. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.